Welcome to Conversations for the Animals. I'm Lisa Tynan with Houston Pet Set, and I am joined today by Mary Tipton, who is, if you work in animal welfare and you haven't heard Mary's name, you must be hiding under a rock because you are incredibly well-known throughout the rescue community as being a staunch advocate for animals, but also for being incredibly hardworking. You have not one but two organizations that you run. Is that correct? That's correct. I can barely find the time to make myself breakfast in the morning, so I don't know how you do it. Um, Today, I want to talk to you about both of those organizations, about what they do, how they work together, or whether they are, you know, joined or not, and sort of what you see as the biggest hurdles that we are facing in animal welfare to solving this animal welfare crisis. So we have a lot to dive into today. But first, I want to hear about you. I want to hear, how did you get started at animal welfare? Is this something you've done your whole life? Is this something you fell into? What What is your story? Well, my story, thank you for having me, Lisa. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here. And Houston Pet Set has been a huge uh, help with the rescue community here in Houston. So that is a needed thank you. Um, about me, though, I grew up in South America in going to the market with my mother okay. and getting ringworm from kittens underneath the stalls, little oh bitty. And gosh. my mother, my mother at a young age, I remember was saying, don't handle the kittens when we go to market. I was always an animal lover. I always had to touch them, hold them, love on them and, and bring them home if they didn't have a home. And so um, this has just been me. Yeah. But um, I've been I've been in Houston now, the Houston area over 30 years, 31 years, I think. And I have been deep in rescue since I've been here. I started in Austin and I was a, a, a foster and stuff. But here in Houston, I've been fosters and I've been um, with three big organizations here. And I met Christine Morgan at um, Buster's Friends mm-hmm. when we were at Highland Village with the girls, yeah. with Tina and Tama. And um, so I knew her, and in 2011, we decided to start Canine Angels Rescue because we thought we could do a, a, a good job with funding. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we could pinch a penny better than anybody <laughs> and make it go a long way. And so she and I were really naive, and we started with $3,000, wow. 1500 from each of our accounts. And, um, and we have built it into this massive huge two two ordeals it's been we've been very very fortunate and um so it's just it just keeps growing and we keep looking at new ways that we can help the community what used to be rescue was successful you know finding adopters were successful pulling animals from the shelter we thought we were going to pull them and nobody else was going to fill that void and when we realized that they were always there's an influx of dogs always following us that's when we turned our attentions to spay neuter. Yeah, it's huge. So Canine Angels Rescue had some money back in 2016. Mm-hmm. One of our our uh, good volunteers, Miller Friedman, mm-hmm. was at college in San Antonio, and he invited us to come over there and start watching SNPSA in okay. San Antonio yeah. and um, see how they did these big mash-style spay neuters. And so we got the idea, and they were they were so gracious, they let us plagiarized their forms and everything. They said, yes, just take everything. They shared everything. Take it to Houston. Start this. And so in 2017, we had our first event. We had formed a DBA under Canine Angels Rescues 501c3, and the DBA is the Empty Shelter Project. Our hope is that in the future, 
there will be no dogs in the shelters, no cats in the shelters. And we go specifically into underserved communities and we set up in gymnasiums. We had an event just March 25th in the Crosby High School and um, we alter, vaccinate and microchip owned animals. This is not for rescue. Right. This is not for transport. This is for people who cannot afford or cannot get their animals to uh, to town. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's huge. It's huge. And I, for for clarification, because the first time, you know, before I had really gotten involved, I was mostly <clears throat> on the sheltering side of things before I came over to Houston Pet Set. And so I wasn't really familiar with everything else that was going on. And in my brain, the empty shelter project and empty the shelters kept getting crossed. So if, if right. anyone has heard of those two things and don't realize empty the shelters is an adoption promotion, basically, that happens right. once or twice a year. And it's nationwide. The empty shelter project is completely separate and it is focused on keeping shelters empty by preventing animals from coming into it. Correct. Focusing on the the before problem, not the adoption part afterwards. Correct. So that's a, a big differentiation. So. Well, I want to focus first on canine angels because how many how many animals a year do you think you're you're seeing coming through your doors? We we are not like we used to be. Okay, it, you know the pandemic changed the the whole landscape of our rescue. We have okay. an adoption center on 19th Street yes. that we are losing and and letting the lease go really? at the end of May. Yeah. Okay, we pay okay. six thousand dollars a month for a lease, oh. and and we just do adoption days one day a yeah. week, which is just ridiculous. When we started Canine Angels Rescue, I was the first rescue that was allowed into the Harris County animal shelter on Canino Road. Wow. And it was back when Dawn Blackmore was still the director over there, and she had been for 30 years. But the idea was that rescues made money off of adoptions. And so they didn't want rescues coming in, I was told. So when I finally talked them into letting us come in there, there was an 11% live release rate of the Harris County shelter. Wow. And I paid $37.50 for every animal I took from the shelter because I had to pay for the rabies shot and the DHPP and the microchip. I paid for that. So, wow. and it, it was, it was crazy. It was, it's, it sounds so backwards from so how crazy. we think of it now. Yes. That's crazy. Okay. But you can imagine with a, 11% live release rate. I went in there and I was like a kid in the candy store. I was like, I'll take you, 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 you. I was, t- I was taking hundreds of animals wow. a week. Wow. And we were doing, Canine Angels Rescue was doing 36, you know, 30 to 40 animals adopted every week. We were humming. Wow. It was, yeah. we had a huge, we had 600 volunteers in our volunteer base, our foster base. We were huge. Yeah. And like I said, the pandemic changed all of that. And also, we have we ha- everybody in Houston owns two or three dogs. We're sort you know? of saturated. We at are this saturated, point. Yeah. and they're still being born. We would pat ourselves on the back and say, "36 dogs adopted," and I don't mean just adopted to anybody. Adopted to people who are going to keep them in the home, yeah. provide them with heartworm prevention. You know, really, really make them a part of the family. And then I would get an email from somebody saying, "My dog had 12 puppies." you know, this week, can mm-hmm. you help me? And my, and, and I'd get three or four of those and it would negate the entire effort of adoption. So yeah. we said, what can we do? What can we do to get in front of the, of the birth? Yes. You know, do it. So let me ask you this. Cause you, you said you were doing that many adoptions a week 
and, you know, pulling these animals out of the shelters and finding homes for them. And I there have been re- more recently as as we've been kind of trying to delve in and really find the root causes of the of the unbelievable homeless animal crisis right now in Houston. Are you finding from the rescue side that adoptions have slowed, have have views on adoptions changed? I know it's it's easy to say, you know, the market is saturated because it really does feel like everybody who wants a pet has a pet. But animals grow old and they die and people move and people move in and out. But it still feels like Fewer people are adopting now than they were, but maybe that's just my personal. We had an adoption bias. event this past week. Christine is still Christine Morgan our, mm-hmm. is our adoption counselor, and she still holds them about once a month. I mean, okay. we we do adoptions online all the time sure. and, and and every weekend, but we still have an adoption event at our center about once a month. Um, people people are getting pickier about okay. the dogs. You know, we are so saturated in pit bulls, pit bull mixes. And, you know, I have three bullies at my house. I love the breed. But at some point, I'd like to own something besides a bully. And and almost every dog in Houston is a bully mix. And um, it's a very controversial subject, but I am pro- very pro mandatory spay neuter. Okay. And people say, well that's that that puts the burden on on low income. Mm-hmm. And I said it's not a burden if you provide them an outcome. Right. The the option is a free spay neuter. Right. But we cannot continue and I and I think it should be across Texas because if you look at all of the transport receiving partners and all the rescuers in the north trying to help Texas out. Mm-hmm. It is all over Texas. It's in the Valley. Yeah. It's in Del Rio. It's in Odessa, Midland. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Amarillo. We have dogs coming out our ears yeah. in Texas. And when we mandate spay neuter and say no more backyard breeding, no more just not making this a priority. This needs to be a priority in our communities. Absolutely. And um, and then if you want to be a breeder, get a breeder's license. Mm-hmm. You know, breed responsibly. Let us help you be responsible in this breeding practice. Yes. You know, I don't want to I don't want to say nobody should be a breeder, but we need we need there needs to be some regulation. You know, that's it's funny. You mentioned that right now in the Texas legislature, you know, there's a bill being presented trying to get through committee that would Texas, for some reason, is the only state that Texas has the highest minimum number of breeding females required to be considered a breeder. What is it now? It's currently 11. Okay, well, we we tried to pass this through in 2016, maybe, or something. I I forget when, but yeah. And I wrote a letter to Dan Patrick's office and said, please vote to restrict this. And the response from a lot of our politicians is, we don't want to restrict people's livelihoods. Right. I said, come on, take a walk through our shelters. You know, How, how about the taxpayer dollars, you know? Right. Our little organization, Canine Angels Rescue, doing the Empty Shelter Project Spay Neuters mm-hmm. has spent since 2017 on, we just did our 25th Spay Neuter event. Wow. We have spent a million dollars. <laughs> okay? That's now, outrageous. we started with 3000 yeah. remember? Yeah. We have spent a million dollars spaying and neutering animals in and around Houston, Harris County. Right. How, and we 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 are guesstimating now. Remember, all of this is such a guess. Right. But if if the shelter holds a dog, and this is a night, this is a 2017 um, 
number. Okay. But if a shelter picked, had to pick up a dog and house it for three days and euthanize it, it was something like $180. So on the animals that we have prevented from entering the shelter, and we're not saying that all of the animals that we are spaying and neutering will enter, but right. a portion will. Of course. We're saving taxpayers up, upwards of $4 million in housing and euthanizing dogs. We rarely keep dogs three days. Right. We, we have dogs at Harris County right now who have been there 100 days. Right. So what is it costing taxpayer money oh, when astounding. we just don't say, let's stop this ridiculousness. Right. And when our politicians call it livelihood, it's not livelihood. Right. It's because big. like you said, the adoptions on a pit bull have slowed down. They have. Or the people that we want a pit bulls to have a pit bull. Mm-hmm. They already we, have several. They already have several. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want them in the wrong hands. Right. We don't want fighting dogs. We right. don't want dogs that are abused. Right. So there's we have saturated our market. Yes, we have. Many times over. Many times over. And, you know, talking about livelihood, it's hard for people who are in the animal welfare and in the rescue community to think of pets as a profit, especially when we are just we're bleeding money <laughs> trying to right. trying to take care of them. And, and right. none of us are turning any sort of profit. Um, but it, it is true. There are people out there who maybe they love their dog and they want their dog to have a litter. But there are also people out there who are breeding purely for profit, not for love of animals, not because they care about the breed. It's literally just, well, you know, I paid a thousand dollars for this dog. I got to get some of that money back. So why don't I have some puppies? I I did a small event between all these big events. I do small events. I did 180 cats on Wednesday at my adoption center and I did 47 animals, dogs and cats, spay neuter vaccination microchip. I did 47 on Thursday and I did 43 on Sunday. Wow. So this has been a busy week. Yeah, I would it's say been so. a very busy week. <laughs> but one of the people who came now, remember, this is a free event and I and we don't judge. Okay. You know, so people people can come up in their fancy schmancy cars yep. and accept and take this free service. Yeah. But one of the ladies who came on on Sunday had a purebred boxer mm-hmm. and I said that is a darling dog. Mm-hmm. That's and and she said, yeah, we we decided to keep him and not sell him with the rest. And I said, well, where's the mama? Can I can I spay her? And she said, no, she's she's only three years old. We're going to keep breeding her. So here I am giving a free service, and I'm biting my tongue, and I'm saying, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but at least we know that's one dog who's not it's contributing to it, and we got to take the wins where we can. That's such a tough situation. Yeah. I want to pivot a little bit now because because you're talking about all of these little events in between the big ones. I want to talk about the big ones because the numbers that we hear coming out of the Empty Shelter Project are astounding. So you said you've just done your 25th um, big event, big event, right? And at these these one day for for the uninitiated, tell us what a mash style event looks like because it's it's pretty outstanding. <laughs> It's two weeks of intense preparation of inventorying um, everything from gauze to suture to um, trash can liners, sure, everything yeah. that we might need to take. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got a medical team that is is inventorying their stuff. I'm getting I, I'm in charge of registration and, and appointments and okay. I'm getting all of those preset and the packets ready. Um, because the the day of is crazy, and then we we have two we get two big uh, 
big trucks, okay. transport trucks, and we load everything up. We, we're an all-volunteer organization, by Amazing. the way. Nobody gets paid. Amazing. But we do pay our veterinarians and our vet techs who come to our big events. Yeah. But what we pay them is a ridiculously embarrassing small. <laughs> and a lot of them give it back. So oh, wow. they, they give a lot of their time. Yeah. But um, but we pay the vet techs well, and we pay the, the veterinarians to come out. But we, we load everything up in two two trucks and we go out on Fridays to to the area to the place that we've chosen usually a school or a, gym, a gymnasium warehouse something that has an, uh, enough room for us right. we unload we set up um, I have 300 and 358 dog crates that I set up so I can do 358 dogs yeah. at any of these um, events and then cat crates we, we can we can do 300 or so cats. And so it's it's a variety. It's we usually hit around five hundred mm. in one day. I'm just going to keep stressing day. this in one day. Y- yes. Now again, COVID changed us. We were up and over five hundred pre-COVID, wow. and then we had to shut down for almost a year until we figured out this health crisis. Yeah. And now we've started back to amp it back up. Okay. But we've been careful because we've always wondered: Is COVID going to come back? Is what's going to happen? So we've done a couple. 500 events and and this last one was a small event it was a, a 368 which or something so amazing which yeah. that's that's incredible so you said that you you pay your vets and your vet techs how many of these veterinary professionals are working at these events we have we have about 25 22 to 24 vets okay. we, we usually have four in the cat room and we have 17 to 18 in the dog room wow. some of them stay all day some of them come in the morning and have to leave or come in the work their own jobs at their own clinics and come, and come in the afternoon <laughs> wow but we're, but we're getting good so most of our surgeries are done by three o'clock so then we're breaking down so we've That's done incredible. all the animals but we still have to get the animals home so right. we're calling the people you know we keep female dogs um three hours okay. because we want to watch them we keep male dogs minimum of two hours okay. but some of these people there is no limit to how many if you have eight dogs at your house we want to do all eight of them because otherwise we're going to still be having, you're going to have 12 next week, yeah. right? Or more. And so there is no limit to what you can bring if you, and so we, and then we have to get all eight of those recovered and ready to go before we call the owners, right. you know? So sometimes it's a late night for our take home team. There's a lot of, sounds like there's just an unbelievable amount of logistical planning and management that has to go in it's a before and then during. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I, I would imagine the day after everyone's just sort of draped across their couch and not moving. Is there any requirement of an owner? Is it income restricted? Is it by neighborhood? Is it literally anyone can show up to one of these days by appointment? We, we try to do by zip code okay. because when we have a community that gives us a community center mm-hmm. or a high school to use, we target that area okay. around it. Um, every once in a while, like we did one in Cloverleaf in, in um, December okay. of last year. And and we added some people in Channel View because that that whole area is is really tough. Yeah. And so we we will expand because we know the areas that are that are really needed. Sure. But we're also we also have done four or five in Denver Harbor at the Denver Harbor um, Community Center. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Cisneros helps us get that uh, community center all the time. Yeah. And so that that area we've pretty well saturated. Okay. And because this our last event in February there Mm -hmm. was our fifth event we had to reach a little further because we had we had reached everybody which is such a great problem yes that's a good problem that's fantastic so you mentioned councilwoman cisneros when you are doing these events 
Is city council involved? Is the city aware? Are they sort of supporting your efforts and advertising for you? She does. She does. Thank we we love Carlos. She, she does. She really supports the spay neuter mission. Yes, she does. And 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 we do have some county commissioners who help us quite a bit. And right. we, and, and we do have a few um, city council uh, members that help us. But it's uh, you know dogs are sometimes down on the totem pole because people yeah. need people need our attention too. So. Absolutely. I mean that's a that's a really good point. But the 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 benefit of these events isn't just for the pets it's absolutely for the people and the families i think that that's probably been the the biggest lesson that i've learned through the years is whether you're a mother who lives in memorial or mm -hmm. whether you're a mother who lives in cloverleaf mm -hmm. you want the same thing for your children and yourself you want them to be able to walk to school safely yes. without being attacked by a group of dogs you want them to be able to ride their bicycles in the streets and a lot of these neighborhoods they cannot because the dog population is so bad. It's terrifying. So it, really um, it, it was amazing because we went over and, and, and block walked in in Cloverleaf just to meet the people and let them know that we were going to be there. Because trust is a big thing. Absolutely. I'm not immigration. I'm not. I, right. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Your, your status doesn't matter to me. Let's just help you with your animals. And so we knock on doors and talk to a lot of people. Okay. But even when we were out there knocking on doors, one of my volunteers says, turn around and look behind us. And we had six dogs following us, big dogs. And, you know, they're just always oh, there. They're always there. So, you know, it's it's a little nerve wracking. Sure. It, it's a little nerve wracking because if they were mean, they they would have hurt us. Yeah, but, you're in trouble. So I can understand that these mothers, you know, yeah. they want their they want their their homes, their 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 home to increase in value, not decrease in value. You know, they want their children's schools to be good. And when money's not in the community because of the of a of a dog problem, mm -hmm. when businesses won't come because of the dog problem, yeah. that that affects the entire community. It's such a it's such an important point, you know, with with Houston Pets at a lot of the work that we do is in advocacy and is trying to talk about not just the the core problem that we're trying to address, address which is the the animal homelessness but also how it affects the city. I mean, Houston is the fourth right. at some point to be the third largest city in the country. Right. It is a hugely you know, well-known business community. It's incredibly international. It's a destination now that people come to. And our image is affected by what people see when they walk through the streets. Right. So it's a human health crisis. It's a, a financial crisis. It's a community. It's it touches every part of our life. Mm -hmm. And so by being able to drop into these communities and earn their trust and say, we're here to help you and your pets, not just the animals, I think is hugely important. The next question I want to ask you is, obviously, both of these organizations, the DBA and, and Canine Angels, these are nonprofits. How much money does one of these events, one of these mash style events cost you? The big events cost yes. between forty dollars and $50,000. Okay, so... You have to fundraise for those, right. correct? So you have—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm assuming you have a couple of wonderful regular supporters, or does most of your money come from one-time donations? Who is supporting this mission? We—we we have a couple of of donors um, that want to stay private, sure. And um, we do, and we're very appreciative. Of course, we do a horrible job again being an being a, an all volunteer organization. Yeah. My husband, who got recruited to be the president of Canine Angels when he was <laughs> on a business trip. He was voluntold. He was voluntold. <laughs> he was in Sweden on a business trip, and we needed a new president, and okay. we elected him in absentia. <laughs> That's amazing. And he has wanted to quit 
since every the first day, day every day. <laughs> but he writes a few grants. He okay. does. And 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 we have written a few grants with the city of Houston. Okay. And um, but that limits us to only doing those animals in the city of Houston. Yes. And so we we appreciate those grant givers mm -hmm. that allow us to a dog doesn't know city and county right. boundaries and right. so you know and people are very transient you know they they have to move from one place to another and it, it might be across the city limit right. line right but they still need the service and so we try not to limit ourselves too much but there are some events that we have to do to meet the criteria for a grant yeah but um we're we're horrible at raising money because we don't have a good person who is a promoter is a is a grant writer you know we're putting out the call if you are yes, listening if you, or watching, if you would like to <laughs> yes, contact exactly. Mary Tipton Canine exactly. Angels right. I mean there and it is something that a volunteer can do I think some people don't realize when when they think of wanting to participate or volunteer with an animal welfare organization I cannot tell you and I'm sure you've experienced this too the number of people that I know who are good friends or even family who say oh I could never do what you do is too heartbreaking well you don't actually have to go and pick the animals up off the street you do can what do, you do yeah do, do what you do media. best right? do write a grant if you right. Right. work in business and you're really good at budgeting and you come up with a I mean any way to get involved exactly. helps because there are organizations like yours who are all volunteer run mm -hmm. people have full-time jobs that they're also trying to do so mm -hmm. there are ways to get involved and ways to help that may you know to to the average person be like well how much help could it be if I you know share this fundraiser on Facebook it's huge 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 social media is huge it really is and it feels like these days, it is it's it's almost like the more most bang for your buck because even if you boost a post on Facebook, you can put five or ten dollars in. If that means two thousand more people see your post and potentially donate, it's worth but, it. But you know, one of the things that's been really really funny uh, not funny but really eye opening mm -hmm. is if I have if I have a dog that has a horrible injury. Mm -hmm. I can get a lot of money. You can raise a lot of money right? off of it. Yep. But if I say we are going to go into this underserved community and spay and neuter as many as we can in one day for free, yeah. it won't cost them anything. I might get ten dollars in donations. Crickets, right? It's weird, Nothing. isn't it? Yeah. And and to to let taxpayers know that this is going to save us as a society mm -hmm. killing dogs. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! There's a, there's something that's not computing <laughs> no, somewhere. No, yeah. No. I, I I think I I share that observation. I think it is, and it's worth noting, you know, that that may some of that may fall on us on the rescue community because we know that's how we can fundraise when right. we have that great right. story. We will lean on that, but maybe it's time to start focusing a little bit more on the education of of what happens to the those 500 plus animals if they don't get spayed or neutered well and 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 along those lines uh, so, sort of along those lines but <laughs> this thought that near just the came, lines this, yeah. you know a lot of people want to say and 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 houston pets had helped us with a grant for cleveland mm -hmm. in in early 2022 mm -hmm. so we so we we got $20,000 to alter all these animals yeah. from Cleveland because nobody helps, you know, Cleveland They're just doesn't have, right, themselves. they are. Yeah. And so we blew past that. And, and by the end of last year, we had, we had spent 32,000. Wow. Okay. So we just kept going because yeah. we had this need in Cleveland and it still has a need. I, I, I do, uh, 
um, of those 180 cats last Wednesday, mm-hmm. 91 of them were from Cleveland. And we sent our van up there to pick them up wow. and bring them home. Again, my husband, who doesn't like this, he was the driver of the van. <laughs> wow. Anyway, but, Bless but, his heart. but, I love that. but the, our idea when we look at these these communities mm-hmm. on the outskirts of our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know, people point fingers and say they have too many dogs. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask for those dogs. No. Those dogs, a lot of times, wandered into their yard, and and somebody felt sorry for them, gave them some food, and they've never left. Yep. And now we've started having puppies, and they're like, I can't stop this. I mm-hmm. can hardly feed my kids. And I have been to places where I know the mothers can hardly f- feed their kids. And I've picked up 12 dogs in my van, brought them to our center, altered them all, yeah. and and took. I kept the ones that they didn't want to keep mm-hmm. and took back the ones that they could keep and could feed. But these communities are dumping grounds for really our are. unwanted dogs. And so when we don't look at this as a community problem and we just say it's their problem, mm-hmm. no, it's our problem mm-hmm. because some of your neighbors are dumping dogs out there. Yep. You if, know, if I could stand up and give a round of applause, I, I mean, that's that's exactly right. And I I I hate this this tendency of not just the rescue community of everybody to vilify the people who are actually trying their hardest right to just don't have have the resources or are not or being actively denied the resources to address it so thank you for expressing that you know i have donation jars that i put out i'm gonna try not to cry when i say but i have donation jars that i put out when people come to pick up their animals Mm -hmm. and so we'll be we have a group of volunteers who is going over the post op Mm -hmm. instructions you know this is how you what you need to do to take care of your dog and or cat after post op and and i'll be standing up there talking to people and and thanking them for coming to our our event and bringing their dog and being responsible uh, dog owners cat owners and the the husbands will be digging in their pockets and giving us in these donation jars everything they had well i took the donation jar to to christine and i dumped it out and we had 86 dollars and 30 cents and we had done something like 400 animals and she said that's all you got and i said that's that's everything they had yeah and it was and it meant the world to them and you just say okay Okay, but let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's keep doing it. That's yeah. such a beautiful sentiment, and it's the it's the perfect place to end because I it's it perfectly encapsulates why what you are doing is so incredibly important. Because you know, back to the beginning of your story about how there was this weird concern that rescues and people in, in animal welfare would somehow be profiting off of this, and it's just now looking back, it's laughable, but. But it's sometimes hard for people to see the, the the heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears that goes into it. But the reward that comes out of it for the animals being safe and healthy and, and for the people being safe and healthy, you can't put a price tag on that. That right there is your profit. So thank you for everything that your organizations are doing for being a voice because we know you've got a voice and you aren't afraid to use it. And that's You've heard? Huge. <laughs> if word gets around, I mean, it's just, you know, as, as, as a fellow... I've been told by city councilmen that I have angst. I said, you think? That's a nice way to put it, I think. It's actually a burning, fiery rage, but (laughs) angst will do. I can completely relate. Uh, Mary Tipton, this has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for all you do, for all of your amazing volunteers at Canine Angels and and at the Empty Shelter Project. Uh, We'd love to have you back, and we're really so grateful for the work that you're doing for our entire Houston community. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been Conversations for the Animals. We will see you next time. Thank you, Lisa.